Good morning, friends. My name is Sarah, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here, Hope Midtown. And happy rainy Memorial Weekend. Goodness, was not expecting this. We hope you guys are staying dry and still have something fun to do. Um, as you can see from the scripture reading today, we are taking a break from our first John sermon series that we've been in for several weeks. And today uh, we'll instead be talking about what it means to be the church together, why we still gather, why we exist, and what it means for us to be with one another. Would you pray with me as we begin? Lord, we want to be with you today and with one another. God, thank you for your presence. May we be present to you and learn how to be present to and with and for one another. In your name, amen. Well, maybe you are among those like me who have wondered at least a few times over this last year, what are we still doing here? This church thing, is this working? Is this what it's about? Do I even still want to go to church? I'm a pastor, you guys. So why are we still doing church? We're all obviously here this morning. Why? Why are we here? I don't have to tell you that this year has been an incredible upheaval and undoing of the modern experience of corporate worship, like none other we've seen in our lifetime, I'm sure. And we've been left asking, what is church? What is a worship service now in this new context that we're in? And of course, it was out of necessity and safety that we had to make some of these major changes, most vividly the change from our traditional in-person services to online. And this has had a dramatic impact on the way that we think of church and the way we understand what church has meant even for the long haul. And we probably still won't understand the ramifications of it for years to come. But even more than this pivot to virtual and Zoom worship influencing our experience of church, I think has been the deep divides and injustices that have been exposed and painfully though rightly highlighted in our particular faith tradition over this last year. And I'm guessing many of us know the stories of people deconstructing, dismantling, calling out abuses, and again, often rightly so, and some ultimately leaving the church as we know it. And then there's others of us who are just so anxious to get back to normal church, to return to the good old days of 2019 BC before COVID. And then I'm sure that we're all experiencing some kind of inertia, that word for when an object that's not in motion is hard to get moving again. And we're feeling pretty comfortable in our PJs on Sunday morning. I am right there with you. So, why do we still do it? Why are we still here? Even in this strange Zoom space, what is the point of our corporate worship gathering? Well, to explore that question, we're going to go way back to the very beginning of the corporate worship service that we first see in 2 Chronicles. So you can open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 5, kind of a strange passage that we might not be as familiar with, but I love it. So we meet King Solomon here in 2 Chronicles 5 for what may very well be kind of the first picture of a corporate worship service in this brand new temple 
that Solomon has just built in Jerusalem. And in the previous chapters, before chapter five, we get this lengthy, detailed description of the grandeur of this place. So why did Solomon build this extravagant temple? I thought it wasn't about the building. Cue every evangelical pastor everywhere. But this was the first time that the manifest presence of God had a physical permanent place to dwell. Yes, a building with walls, ceiling, floor, the whole deal. Because before this, God's glory had been made manifest or visceral, visible in the tabernacle, which was a ten temporary tent in the wilderness or in a cloud or the pillar of fire that led the Israelites. So they could see with their own two eyes, the presence of God. And now God's presence was again to rest and remain with the Israelites, but this time in one permanent place, a place where the people would gather together to encounter God's glory together. So no, it was never about the building. It was about the gathering. Let's read together from chapter five and I'll summarize verses two through seven here. Thus all the work that Solomon did for the house of the Lord was finished and Solomon assembled the elders and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders to bring up the Ark of the Covenant and all the men of Israel assembled before the King and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were before the Ark. And the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place. So place matters to God. God takes up actual space. It was important for God to dwell with us in an actual, visible, tangible, embodied kind of way. And it was important to God that his people dwelled and assembled with one another in a literal, physical, visceral, embodied kind of way. God wants us to take up actual space too. Your presence matters to us. Your presence matters to God. You are allowed to take up space like the God that we serve. At the end here of chapter five, it says that the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not even stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Now that's a dense, thick, visible, visceral presence. And this, this isn't just God in my head, God in my heart. This is God with us. I hope that rings a bell. God with us. So Solomon gathers his people together in this large assembly and invites the God of the universe to come and dwell with them there. And he does. God comes to them in a manifest presence. And then Solomon proceeds and dedicates the temple. And he begins by saying to the Lord now in chapter six, I have built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell forever. 
That's quite a statement and quite an invitation for the God of the universe to come and dwell among his people that he created. And I think Solomon might've kind of caught himself too by saying that because a few verses later, he kind of backtracks in chapter six, verse 18, he says, but will God indeed dwell with man on earth? Behold, heaven, the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. And Solomon just kind of seems baffled and in awe, but he keeps right on asking the Lord God to dwell with them in this place. He's on his knees, it says, pleading for 20 more verses here. And it ends with this cry in chapter six, verse 40. Now, oh my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers in this place. This is a set apart sacred place. It's an actual landing pad on the earth for the glory of God to be made manifest among his people. And then in chapter seven, verse one, it says again that as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house here again. So are you seeing it, that God wants to dwell with us in this embodied, tangible, actual, not ethereal, not in our heads, not in our hearts only kind of way, but among us and with us, with us physically, visibly, viscerally, because love wants to be with love needs to be near love can't stay away love has to be here i wrote those lines as an opening for an advent poem about christ last christmas about emmanuel god with us we know that the literal meaning of the messiah's name christ is with us close and here and not far off, not transcendent and out there, but imminent and present, flesh and blood moved into the neighborhood. And I closed this poem with the lines, the very definition of love is with, close enough to touch, near enough to dwell, God with us, our Emmanuel. Now, since you all are my dear friends, I'll let you in on a little secret here. At the time that I wrote this piece over Christmas, I was also in the beginning stages of falling in love with my wonderful man, Paul, who lives in Colorado. So yes, a long distance relationship in the middle of a pandemic. And at that point, it was just starting to get to where it felt unnatural to not be with him. Like it was completely not the way it was supposed to be because it isn't. Love wants to be with. Long distance is not sustainable. FaceTime chats and virtual date nights on house party are not how it's meant to be at least not for the long haul. Can I get an amen from those of you who know? And I'm happy to say it won't be for much longer. 
But this long distance remote dating, as Paul calls it, has me realizing that this is also true about God, that it was not natural for his love for us to be long distance. It's not meant to be far away, but up close and personal. Hence, Christ came and walked the earth with his actual feet and touched us with his actual hands and stood next to us in the same rooms and took up actual space with us. His presence is among us. And isn't this also true about the body of Christ, about us together? It is not natural that we are long distance, that we are socially distant and apart from one another. We may be able to work remotely, but we can't do life together remotely. It's mutually exclusive. It is not sustainable to do Zoom calls and FaceTime chats and virtual church services for the long haul. And why is that? Because we are now the temple. We are the dwelling place. We are the manifestation, the representation of Christ's actual presence on earth. When we are present with one another, God's presence dwells among us. When we are present to and with and for one another, God's presence is dwelling, is manifesting among us. So first we see that God's presence dwelled in the temple of Solomon. And then we see that God's presence was manifest when Jesus moved into the neighborhood, took on flesh and blood. When Christ walked among, walked among us, God's presence was with us on the earth. And now, now we see God's presence dwelling among us, tangibly, visibly among his people. It says in Ephesians 2.22, in him, in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. We, as a body, we are being built together like Solomon built the temple. We are the temple being built together, brick by brick, person by person, presence by presence, built together as a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, which sounds a little like what Solomon said at the end of Second Chronicles there. He said, I have built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell forever. And we now know, maybe Solomon even realized then that he was speaking prophetically, but we know that the dwelling place for God forever is among his people, that we are the representation and manifestation of God's presence and glory. And this is why we gather. It is through our real hugs face to face with each other and our smiles and looking each other in the eyes that Christ's presence is made manifest on the earth. And it is normal and right and good that we are physically present with one another. I know that there are still many of us for whom that is not possible for, 
And that grieves my heart knowing that we are meant to be present with one another. But I want to ask, even still, even despite that, when was the last time you were truly present with another person? No distractions, put your phone on silent. When was the last time you gave someone that gift of your undivided attention and presence? Or when was the last time somebody was that for you, was present to you in a way where you could see the presence of God, even the sacredness of that time, that God's presence was dwelling between you, among you. Maybe it was even still virtually, but it's a truly holy gift to be present with someone else. Those moments when you're just 100% focused and not distracted. I had a few of those moments just even this past week with some friends, just really wanting to be all in, all there in a time where it's been so easy to be distant and to be checked out and to be distracted on my phone. What does it look like for us to be present with one another and to be present with God? Maybe for some of us, the question is, when was the last time you really felt present with God? When you felt, when you knew his withness, or maybe you felt lately like you're in a long distance relationship with God, that maybe there's a dryness or a distance, um, that our lack of being present with people has maybe also meant that you feel a lack of presence with God. Because perhaps there is a link between our presence with one another and our presence with God. Perhaps we need one another to experience God's presence among us. And perhaps our presence with each other allows us to experience God's presence with us. So you might be wondering after all of this, Sarah, is this just your plea to get us to come back to a church service? Well, we do miss you, but no, it's more than that. It was never really about a service. Just like for Solomon, it wasn't about the building. It was about the gathering. For us, it's not about a service. It's about the withness, about being with one another and with God together. As we are together, we are becoming, as Ephesians 2 said, we are becoming that building, that temple, the manifest presence of God. When we gather together, we are being built together as Christ's dwelling place on earth. We are his landing pad where his glory is shown to not only us, but to all those around us. So the point of our gathering together is to experience the embodied, tangible presence of God with us, even over Zoom, that we can experience God's glory made manifest among us, his goodness, his presence with us. And therefore, it's about his presence with us, allowing us to be present 
with and to and for one another. As we experience God's presence with us, we then are able to be present with one another. But maybe many of us just feel woefully lacking in one or both of those ways right now. We haven't sensed God's nearness in a while. We might feel again like that long distance relationship with God and we're longing for a fresh filling, a fresh encounter. Like we saw in, in the, the passage about Solomon, a filling of the temple, a filling of ourselves with God's presence. Or maybe for some of us, maybe and, we're feeling the distance from each other in still powerful ways. And maybe even when we're with people, we're distracted and we're lonely if we're not with people. It's kind of this awkward space of what does it mean to be with people again? So who can you be really with this week, be present to this week? How can you live out that sense of an embodied presence dwelling among, dwelling with the people of God and allowing God's presence to land on you in a way that allows you to be present with others. As I close, I'm gonna read that full poem that I shared with you. It's called With, and I wrote it again um, Christmas Eve, December 24th, as, as I was with my family after not having been with them for a long time. And so as you listen, you can maybe think of it, hear it in the way of, being with people who you love, or maybe you could also hear it um, in a way of being with um, Christ, being with our God, Emmanuel, God with us. So you can listen to this, maybe close your eyes, ask the Lord how it might be speaking to you, and then I will close us in prayer. Love wants to be with Love needs to be near. Love can't stay away. Love has to be here. Love comes close. Love holds tight. Love moves over and love sits beside. Love pours out. Love leans in. Love goes first. Love tries again. Love is hand in hand. Love is eye to eye. Love is face to face. Love is arms open wide. Love leaps over hurdles. Love jumps through hoops. Love stays despite struggles. Love still chooses you. Love becomes flesh. Love leaves home. Love lives here. Love dwells among. Love is in us, close by us, around us, beside us. The very definition of love is with. Near enough to touch, his presence here to dwell. God with us, our Emmanuel.